This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me to discuss all things green are our podcast regulars, Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hiya, guys. Good morning. Good morning, Stu. How are you? Okay. Yeah, all good, thank you. Yeah, um, working away in the dining room as uh, as we're getting used to now. So all good. The new my, see, my I was going to say my desk is in my bedroom, so it's tempting sometimes to go for a nap, but luckily I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Although the commute's much easier than it used to be, so I can't we can't really. I'm glad to see you've had a yeah yeah. Glad to see you've had a haircut, Jack. You're looking much smarter. Well, yeah, uh, I was going out and about and birds were starting to land in my head. So I thought it better be, it best be a chance to get it to get it cut. So five months, the longest it's ever been. So and I'll tell you what annoys me about it without going on too much of a tangent is everyone that doesn't have curls always says to me, oh, you don't know how lucky you are to have curls. Well, everyone, all the people that say that are people that don't have curls. It's really it's really irritating. <laughs> it it's been a long time since I had any curls, Jack. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Right then, chaps, let's start talking football instead of uh, haircuts. Um, it's been a week of comings and goings at Home Park. Uh, let's have a chat about the, those players that have come in um, so far. And yesterday, Frank Newglay became the third summer signing made by Ryan Lowe. Is he the replacement for Ryan Taylor? Sure looks like it, Stu, yeah. Um, you know, Ryan Taylor was the, the physical presence, the man who could hold the ball up, bring others into play. Um, you look around the, the rest of the attacking options that Ryan Lowe's got with uh, the likes of Jeff Cott, Ryan Hardy, who, who we can talk about in a minute, um, Dom Telford, uh, uh, Byron Moore. There's lots of sharp, nippy, quick strikers, but uh, Frank Nublay will give Argyle that physical presence, the ability to ruffle up the opposition centre-backs. Back, centre and, um, yeah, I think there, there seems to be quite a good spread of different types of forwards in the squad now don't you think Jack? Yeah that was the most pleasing thing that you know there's, there's different options I think under some teams I've had in the past you've had sort of like for like strikers so you know when there's a game approaching the 70th minute for example and you want a different type of player to come off the bench and try and do something different because the way you're playing isn't working in the past I haven't always had that so the fact you've now got four strikers or, or whatever that have got different uh, you know different parts of their game that work well you'd think that would be you know a, a really good place to be in and we can predict who will be the, the, the starting two but we've seen before you know last season for example we didn't think Anthony Sarsavik would be the ideal type of Ryan Lowe player but you just don't know in this formation you don't know in, in this team and it's exciting to have those different options and like I said I'm not sure I might I might have missed something but I'm not sure what the rules are regarding substitutions next year and how many will be allowed to be made but having different options on the bench is always a, a bonus. Absolutely. I mean, Argyle did have that option, I suppose, with Ryan Taylor, but only when he was fit. 
Yeah, and he went he went through that patch that everyone knows about, you know, that really good scoring patch. And, you know, I remember Ryan Brunt was similar, and then injuries hit, and, and it really can affect you. And we've had strikers on this podcast before, haven't we, you know, that have said, like Rory Fallon, for example, that have talked about how confidence is massive for strikers. You're judged on goals. You're not always judged on assists necessarily, for example. And Ryan Taylor, for a period of time, was that type of player that could hold up the ball well and would bring the best out of the others around him. And Frank Nublé, is that how you pronounce it? Nublé, yeah. yeah. Nublé, yeah. Frank Nublé is, you know, hopefully can do that. And we saw in the, in the, the heavy defeat that Argos suffered at Colchester last season, the, he's got plenty of pace on him and can run at players. And having that ability as well will, will, will be a massive asset to the team. I think we should also remember, you know, we're, we're kind of putting him into that bracket of being Ryan Taylor's replacement, but he can also play out wide. You mentioned his pace there, Jack, and I think at Colchester, he quite often yeah. played as a right winger. That, that's the thing. I wouldn't. I would say Ryan Ryan Taylor was much more of a. There was one sort of part to his game which he was very good at. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But Newblade from the outside and from seeing little bits of him is much more versatile and, like you said, can play in that winger role. And that's what Ryan Lowe's done really well with this Argyle team since he's come in. He's had players that can play in various positions, and you know we all know what it's like in, in in the lower leagues, especially you know the coming season where they might not have as bigger teams. That versatility could be the difference between you finishing and where you, where you're aiming for or, or, or not. So having versatile players is fantastic. You know, look at Byron Moore. How many players can play a right wing back and and up front? You know, having that versatility is is I think going to be vital next season, more vital than in previous seasons. Yeah, I think if we're to compare him to a former Argyle player, it's probably more of a Jake Jervis type of player, isn't it? That's a good analysis, uh, Stu. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm just thinking back to when Jack and I went up to the Colchester Community Stadium in February and, and Colchester won 3-0 that day. And Frank Newblade was one of the two wide players uh, in a front three for Colchester. And he did really well. And I'm sure that's... Um, that would have played a part in Ryan Lowe's decision to, to bring him down to Argyle that uh, he played particularly well that day. So, um, yeah, he's certainly not just a old-fashioned number nine who's going to win headers and, and hold the ball up. He's definitely got more pace and mobility than that. But um, I just think he's the one player of, of the, all the Argyle strikers that they've got. Um, and we probably shouldn't forget the likes of Clardy Lollis as well, um, you know, just waiting in the wings, waiting for his chance. Nublé's the one that gives you that bit of physicality that, you know, all sides need from time to time. Yeah, I also, I was going to say, I think, well, two things. Firstly, I think you're going to need players that can be more versatile next season because I think there's a lot of talk about, because of the fixture congestions, you could see a lot more injuries next season. Therefore, you're going to, you might be relying on your fourth and fifth choice strikers yeah, yeah. at some point. So the likes of Lolos will have to be ready because I'm sure at some point, whether that's because of injury or just because players need a rest, you're going to get your chance. So that, that's the first thing. And secondly, you know, I think we've all been guilty as fans when you sign a striker and looking at their goal record and that's all you look at, you know, and I've already seen some fans on social media saying, oh, he's only scored this amount of goals. You know, it's not the type of signing we should be looking after. But look at Ryan Hardy, you know, Ryan Lowe has brought the best out of so many players and I'm excited to see what he does. And I've, I think I've got, I've got better not just looking at the strikers' goal-scoring record. And, you know, I think for people to be judging that already is a bit unfair, and I'm excited to see what he can bring to the team. Were you surprised to see him sign? I mean, you know, obviously Ryan Hardy signed last week. Were you expecting another striker to come in, or did you think you would um, seen other players come in first, perhaps? Yeah, I thought other players might come in first, but looking at the team now, 
and the fact he does play with two up front, it, it was a space that needed filling. And the, the fact is, it's, it's having that player that can not only hold the ball up well and link in other players that are fantastic on the ball, but, and he's good at assisting. You know, they've lost George Cooper, bearing in mind, who was an assist king last season, as he was named. So you need players that can do that. And he's got that, that ability to run as well. So I was a little bit surprised. But looking at the front line now, you would think that area of the pitch is, is sorted now, I would say. Wouldn't, wouldn't you, Chris? Yeah, I would have thought so. You've got um, you've got plenty of strikers there to choose from. Um, the two up front, there's there's five six options there. So um, yeah, I think it's it's the sort of midfield, wing backs, centre back sort of positions. The goalkeeper situation looks to be sorted now as well. We can touch on that in a moment. So um, I think you know realistically, squad sizes aren't going to be as big in the forthcoming season because of finances. So when you consider that Argyle have got Jeffcott, Hardy, Telford, Nublay, Lollis, um, you know, there's five, there's five strikers for you. Byron, you know, Byron Moore as well. Byron Moore, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I would have thought that gives you enough cover to start the season with, certainly, more than enough. I think you make a really good point there, Chris, because I totally agree. I think because of the finances in football now, you are going to see smaller squads. But it's, it, it's ironic because it's come at a time where clubs probably need bigger squads than ever because of the fact there are going to be so many yes. games. And we're talking yeah. about playing two games a week up until Christmas, pretty much. So, you know, the way that managers are going to have to use their budget, they're going to have to be really, really streetwise, I think. But then I also think we're going to see more and more youngsters given an opportunity. And, you know, we've seen at Argyle, there's plenty there within the squad and on the, on the fringes ready to come in. Yeah, I... I can't see how clubs can just afford to carry the squads that they've had in the past. I mean, there the do seem to be exceptions. You look at the likes of, um, you know, Mansfield in League Two, Bristol Rovers, uh, Bolton in, in League Two. There's, there's clubs out there that do seem to be, you know, bringing in quite a few signings and on, on what you would imagine to be good, good money. Um, but from talking to people like I have done, the, the opinion seems to be that there will be smaller squads the um, the opportunity for young players has probably never been as good as it is right now. If you're a good young player and you can shine in pre-season, you have got a great chance of finding yourself in the first team, which last season or the previous couple of seasons you might never have had. And that, that's not just the Argyle. I think that's just right across the board. Yeah, I, th I think as well it's a, it's a sort of balancing act, isn't it? Because I think clubs, one, you have to be wary. If you're, if you're a club like Peterborough, for example, and you're going to spend, I don't know, £1 million on a striker and spend most of your budget on one player, with the amount of games, if he gets injured, you know, I think now more than ever, you have to think about the squad more than having the odd star player. And secondly, on the flip side of that, you might get some clubs like Bolton who might have a little bit of money and think, well, hang on, if clubs don't have much money next season, if we spend a little bit more, we might be able to really go for it this season. Because I think there are going to be a lot of clubs that, as Chris said, are relying on their youth or, or really maybe unexperienced players and can't go out and get the players they might have got had there not been this pandemic. So for a few clubs, they might see that as an opportunity to really go for promotion. Yeah, I think you're right. Certainly in League Two, you see the likes of Salford, Bolton and Mansfield and even Forest Green all have pretty wealthy benefactors and they, you know, they seem to be spending a fair bit of money, which, I mean, they were pleading poverty not so long ago and they seem to be making all these pretty high profile signings. It's, uh, it's interesting to see what will happen and we just hope, of course, that it doesn't lead to another Berry situation with, with the club ending up in financial turmoil. That's the thing. I think I think the EFL need to make sure they're very hot on what's going on with clubs at the moment because if they're not, and I think 
we'll all agree that they've been guilty of perhaps not being as, as strict as they should have been in the past or overlooking certain things. I don't think you can afford to do that at the moment because if clubs are allowed to overspend or owners are allowed to overspend and put it all onto one season, we could see a few clubs go that way in the next year or two. And that's not good for, for any team. Now, it makes me wonder if these clubs are getting the deals done early and before there's any introduction of FFP rules within the lower leagues. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, there's plenty of talk about salary caps uh, being introduced from, from as early as, as next season. But, you know, we're on well, August the 4th as we record this. If they're going to introduce salary caps, they're going to need to do it fairly soon. I, was say, I, don't, I don't think they could do it now. Could they have played, people have been offered contracts and being signed? I don't know how you could enforce that now. I think some clubs would argue that point, Jack, definitely. Yeah, and let's just have a chat about salary caps because it is quite an interesting topic. There's, very, there's different ways that they can be, be implemented. And I know Argyle are very keen on salary caps, but only in a specific way, aren't they, Chris? Yes, so they, they don't want a... They're not in favour of a blanket figure being used. So I think in League One, for example, they've been talking about £2.5 million as a salary cap. Uh, they support the idea of salary cost restrictions, but they quite prefer the current arrangement, which is basically the percentage of your revenue... Um, is what you spend. They don't feel that bigger clubs, and obviously some massive clubs in League One, the likes of Sunderland and Ipswich and Portsmouth, who have massive crowds and and the ability to sustainably spend money on signings, you know, does it make any sense for Sunderland and Accrington Stanley, and I'm not picking on Accrington because I disrespect them in any way, but they are possibly the smallest club in League One, you know, can you have a one-size-fits-all salary cap for, for those two clubs in the same division? I don't think you can, can you? Also, well, especially... Sorry, I was going to say, it's interesting because in rugby, that is what they do. They have a, a one-size-fits-all yeah. salary cap and it's down to the clubs to, you know, build their squad accordingly. Is there... I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll reveal I don't know much about rugby. So is there, is there such a disparity between size of teams in rugby, in, in leagues, or is it a bit more even? Uh, it, it can be certainly the teams that come up from the championship always tend to struggle when they get into the top flight so there is a bit of a discrepancy there because um, you know, as Chris mentioned the two clubs in, in League One you know we compare Sunderland's crowd you're talking to Accrington's you're talking about a difference of 30,000 almost you yeah. know, it's so so different yeah I, I'm, I, not, an expert. What, what would be I'm not an expert there? on the rugby uh, salary cap and the rugby rugby full stop, but I, the impression I get from rugby is, is that they are moving quite close to a sort of American sports type franchise situation where we're basically, they don't really want relegation. You'll have a set number of clubs and they'll all be of a similar sort of stature. Um, I, I don't think you'd ever get a, an Accrington Stanley in the English Premiership rugby, for example. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. It's a, very much an old boys club. What I would say with um, regards to salary cap is if our goal were to get promoted into the championship, would that then count against them? Because you're looking at clubs that have, you know, much bigger attendances and facilities and, you know, generate more income than our yes. Because they'd be one of the yes. clubs in the division. Whereas if there was a one cap fits all implementation, then our goal would be on a level footing with all those clubs. I just don't, I, I personally just don't, I, I think if there's a, a model to I think if there's a model in place as well, you know, clubs shouldn't be penalised. If, if they've got the facilities to have corporate deals going on, if they've got more fans going through, they've got every right to spend more money. I don't, I, I, what I think needs to be looked at is it, 
every club needs to be able to spend within their means. That's the important thing. It's not about the amount, in my Correct. view. And almost in football, yeah. I've said this before, in football, I, don't, I almost don't see money as money in football, especially when it comes to transfers. You know, it's a, to me, it's a percentage. And I think if, as long as clubs are working within their means, that's what needs to be looked at. It shouldn't be about, a, in my view, it shouldn't be about a blanket X amount because it's just how, because there is such a difference between the top and the bottom, I just don't think that's, that's not going to make for the best football. And also then, if, if you brought that in from next season, how, when you, with the likes of Sunderland and Ipswich and Hullo who just come down, how do you enforce that when they've already got players on such high wages? You know, you can't just, you know, some of them are going to be on very big wages. You can't just suddenly reduce their wage by 50% so they can match with players coming up from League Two. It just doesn't, it's two, two different worlds. Yeah, I totally agree. Certainly the finances need to be looked at, I think, by the EFL. So I'm pretty sure there is an FFP ruling at the moment where clubs can only spend, I think it's 60% of their, their turnover. Wages. It all goes over my head. This SF, FFP stuff all goes over my head and clubs don't ever seem to be punished that much for it anyway. So I don't, I don't really get what goes on. I, I don't think it goes over your head so much, Jack. I just think that because it's not enforced, that it's, it's a rule that no one seems to take seriously enough. And that's why you end up with situations like Berry that end up you know, going bust because of it. Yeah. I don't know what you think, Chris. Yeah. Um... I, I think your point about if Argyle got into the championship, then the current arrangements on salary costs would probably work against them because, you know, you'd be playing against teams that were in the Premier League previous season and far, far more money than you. Um, so are you ever going to get to a situation where it's fair? No. Um, I, I prefer the idea that if you can afford to spend it, spend it, but there has to be either the EFL or a body or somebody that can keep an eye on things and say, look, hang on a minute, you're spending too much. And then it's so that you don't get to the stage where clubs, uh, um, you know, go out of business or even run the risk of going out of business. Um, like I say, if, if, if you've got the money and you can afford it, go for it. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but obviously that then means that certain clubs are, are always going to find it difficult to, to compete with some of the bigger boys that are around in whatever division. I mean, you look at League One, for example, next season, there's eight former Premier League teams out of the 24 uh, competing in that division. It just shows you how strong is going to be next season. Yeah. And, you know, you could, have, you could have a level wage cap, but you know, football's never going to be fair. What is fair, you know... You're taking geography into account. You know, how many players do Argonne not get because they're not close to London? Do you know what I mean? You, you, there's no way you can have every team on an equal footing in every sort of aspect. You know, whether that's the size of the crowds, you know, whatever it is, you, I don't think fair really exists. I think this is this, this, this idea. Well, the only way you do it, Jack, is like they do in the States. You have a, a league and you pull all the money that everyone gets together and you divide it. But there's no way English sporting clubs are ever, ever going to agree to that. Right, well, we've digressed massively. So um, let's get back to our goal signings. Um, we touched on it earlier. Ryan Hardy has returned on a season-long loan. Um, Jack, are you happy to see Ryan Hardy back? <laughs> yeah, I would, have, I would have been happy to see a, a few of the loan signings back we had last season. So to have one back is fantastic, especially when he's a, he's a, 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 a player that's scored plenty of goals. You know, he was exciting to watch. Um, I mean, I don't like to brag, but I did. I did say I should sign him three or four years ago now. But but there we go. I'm not, I've not mentioned that much, have I? <laughs> we'll forget all the ones that I mentioned that Argo never signed and never turned out to be any good. But but I did mention him. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I am delighted that he's come back. He's got a great record. 
I'm a bit surprised Blackpool, for whatever reason, haven't taken a chance on him. You know, they're signing some good players, but you've got a player there that scored plenty of goals, was promising when he was at Rangers. He's, he's, he, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> I think it's quite funny that oh God, I've got him from Blackpool and Ryan Lowe was making jokes about you know, not being able to play against his club, given Argos' history against Blackpool and Marcel Saif. I thought that was, was a bit of an irony there about, about lone players being able to play against yeah. former clubs. But no, I, I'm delighted that he's got back. I didn't think possibly that Argos would get any of them back. So to have one and for it to be one of the free, freest scoring players we've had for a while is fantastic. No doubt you're pleased to see him back as well, Chris. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that, that Blackpool haven't had a, a closer look at him since he's, uh, since he's gone back to them. They have made some good signings, Blackpool, some high-profile signings. Jerry Yates, for example, from Rotherham, for, for quite a lot of money in a fee and in wages, you would imagine. I wonder if, if Ryan Hardy um, has you know, been a victim, maybe, of, of Blackpool just thinking, look, we've got to cut our costs a little bit. You know, we've signed some good players. They signed CJ Hamilton from Mansfield, who's a player that you rate as well, Stu. Yeah, um, so maybe it was a case of, look, well, we've brought a few players in, we need to move one or two on just to keep our, our salary costs under control. I see Ryan Edwards, for example, the former Argyle defender, he um, uh, completed a move to, to Dundee United. And again, you know, you wonder if that's just them. They've brought a few players in, they've moved a few out just to try and make sure they balance the books properly. But, uh, you know, whatever the reason, you know, I think Argyle will definitely benefit um, from having Ryan Hardy in their squad. You know, he's got great pace. He showed last season that he's a good finisher. Yes, that was in League Two. He's going to be in League One next season. Can he make the step up to League One with Argyle? We'll wait and see. I always think, you know, if, if you're a natural finisher, that will stand you in good stead. You have to find the level that you, uh, you're you at. Um, with his pace, I can just see him troubling defenders. Are the defences in League One better than League Two? Of course they are but I still think he's got the attributes of someone that, that, that should be able to score a fair amount of goals for Argyle in League One. Another thing I was going to say that's encouraging to see is with, with Nuble and Hardy, they've both mentioned the reasons they've come back, or come back in Hardy's case, come here in the first instance for Nuble, is because of the style of football that Ryan Lowe implements. You know, Ryan Hardy, I've no, no doubt other League One clubs were probably looking at him, and League Two clubs possibly, but he knows that uh, Ryan Lowe got the best out of him and Nuble again mentioned the fact that Ryan Lowe's style was an attractive prospect and you know when you look at the goals that um, his team scored at Bury and, and look at the goals last season and two promotions you can understand why players want to come here and that's an important asset you know that's why it's great that Argyle being able to keep Ryan Lowe despite the rumours surrounding almost every job that becomes available of, of a higher standing he's linked there somewhere but he's a, he's a great asset to have and if we can sign players based on that fantastic. And of course, the third um, player that was signed, uh, Luke McCormick, he starts, or I'm not sure if he is the third player, actually. Um, but he's back for a third spell, that's for sure. Are you pleased to see Luke McCormick back? He was, um, he was my um, password at secondary school. That might make him feel a bit old, but I, he, was, he was my favourite player. Well, one of my favourite players for a period of time, along with David Frio. So, uh, yeah, he was, he was my, work, uh, work, uh, my, my school password. But I'm, I'm very happy to see him back, I think. To me, it's a very logical signing. You know, if Mike Cooper, and I know Ryan Lowe said Mike Cooper's not first choice, and that's great, but before they got Luke McCormick in, if you're aiming for Mike Cooper to sort of be first choice, it's a very hard task to then find someone that's happy to sit on the bench. The fact is, Luke McCormick's got the affinity with the area. He knows the club. He's 
I think still a good keeper. I think a lot of people were surprised when he left under Derek Adams. <laughs> they had all the issues with the goalkeepers. Everyone was thinking, well, Luke McCormick, McCormick would have been a perfect player in that scenario. Uh, he knows Michael Cooper. You know, he, he Michael Cooper will see the career he's had and, and be able to learn from him and he'll be able to push him. And I think if there's a time where Michael Cooper can't play, Luke McCormick's an ideal person to come in. You know, he's got another promotion with Swindon. He sort of ticks every box that I think Argyle were looking for in a keeper, you know, I think both on and off the pitch. I don't think they could have found anyone better, to be honest, Stu. Um, he's a good goalkeeper and, um, you know, if he wins the fights, then he'll do a good job. Um, if Michael Cooper's the first choice keeper, which I think he'll be given every opportunity to be, then Michael Cooper could not wish to have anyone better um, around him, supporting him, advising him. Uh, remember, Luke McCormick was a 20-year-old when he really got his big break um, with Argyle when Roman Lario suffered a, a nasty uh, knee injury, a cruciate knee ligament injury in 2003. Um, Luke went into the team as a relatively untested 20-year-old and um, played superbly that season as Argyle went to the league. Now, I'm not going to go out and make a prediction that Argyle are going to win the league uh, this is coming, but... Um, Luke McCormick's been through what uh, Michael Cooper's about to go through in terms of being a 20-year-old who's going to get his first team chance, you would think. Um, he's great at the club, a great personality around. Um, as Jack said, he, he ticked at all the boxes. It was an absolute no-brainer if, um, if Argyle uh, went and did it, and they have done. Um, you know, Luke knows Gary Sawyer, Kevin Nanske, all people behind the scenes at the club. Um, be a great uh, mentor for Michael Cooper. So um, I think that was a, a really good move for Argyle to make. And away from Luke, you know, if you're, if you're, if, you, if Argyle couldn't sign Luke McCormick, how hard would it have been to find a player that's either one happy to sit on the bench or two that's good enough and also happy to be on the bench if Michael Cooper is your first choice? Because you're not yeah. going to loan in an Alex Palmer style player and not be giving him first team football. So it was a, it was a hard task to find someone. And, and as Chris and I have said, it, I think Luke was that perfect person. Yeah, and you'd imagine that you won't be too expensive either. So it's uh, <clears throat> keep some space free in the budget for, for other signings. Um, it's it, it, every box, do like you say. And um, I do think, you know, they've got to try and look at giving Michael Cooper a go this season. Uh, I mean, if Luke McCormick's performances in pre-season and, uh, and what a training, you know, merit him being in the team, fantastic, great. But, uh, you know, Michael Cooper at 20, we all think he's a good prospect. And I think we... I think we'd all like to see him get a chance. He's got to deserve the chance, but I think we'd like to see him get a chance and fulfil the potential that a lot of uh, people think he's got. And just touch, sorry, just touching on what Chris said before about him, Luke McCormick having gone through things. There's, there's likely to be a time in the season, possibly, especially in League One football, where Michael Cooper might make a mistake or he's going to come up against some tough attacking options and his confidence might drop. But you're going to have Luke McCormick there to get it back up again. Say, look, I've gone through exactly the same. Just keep your head down, keep working hard. I've gone through it blah 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 and his confidence will, will, will be installed again you need I think he's going to need that next season absolutely yeah well welcome back to the second half of the podcast um before the break we were talking about incomings at Argyle um a couple of outgoings as well Chris uh Callum McFadden has decided to leave Argyle but he's not yet signed but another club are you surprised by that yeah and, yeah an, an interesting one isn't it um you know, Ryan Lowe spoke quite a lot earlier in the summer about, uh, you know, giving Callum McFazzin time to make a decision. In the end, 
it sounds as though he's decided that uh, with a with a new child, he and his uh, partner want to uh, stay up in the north of England, and that's fair enough. You know, I haven't got a problem with uh, people with families, you know, wanting to spend more time with them. Um, so it, it did drag on a little bit, um, which indicates that Ryan Lowe was quite keen to try and keep him if possible, but um, that hasn't been the case. I've seen um, Callum McFadden linked with a number of clubs. I don't know how how much accuracy has been in the speculation, but he has been linked with the likes of Bolton and Mansfield and Doncaster and places like that, all teams up in the north of England. So we'll see where he pops up. I'm sure he'll find himself a club. After all, he's been part of promotion winning squads from League Two for the past two seasons. So um, uh, as far as Argyle are concerned, disappointing to see him leave, but um, I, I don't see any reason why... Ryan Lowe can't find somebody that can, you know, be as good, if not better, than Callum McFadden for Argyle in League One next season. Um, we were talking about how Frank Nublay, um sort of said one of the reasons for signing for Argyle was the style of play that Ryan Lowe implements. And I, I think it would be the same for... If, you, if you're a wing-back type player, you've got the, the attributes to be a wing-back, why wouldn't you want to play for a Ryan Lowe team? It, it, you've got all the... Uh, encouragement to go forward and put crosses in, get goals. Um, so I would have thought that, um, you know, hopefully Ryan Lowe can come up with a good um, replacement for Callum McFadden, while at the same time pointing out that Ryan Lowe went out of his way at the last press conference we had with him to talk up the chances of Ryan Law, the 20-year-old Argyle Academy graduate, uh, talking up his chances of maybe uh, pushing for a first-team place. So, Ryan Law and Ian Other to compete for that position by the looks of it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which way Ryan Lowe goes. I, I, I'm thinking he'll probably bring in someone with experience, and it sounds as though he has a couple of left-backs or left-wing-backs lined up to come in on trial. Um, but as we said in the first half of the show, there's going to be so many games next season and in such a short space of time that you imagine he'll want someone with a bit of experience that can play at left-back or left-wing-back. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I would have thought so, wouldn't you, Jack? I mean, I was going to say, the, the fact is, you know, they've obviously lost George Cooper as well. He was, I know he was only on loan, but that's your two main players that played in that position last season. But, you know, again, we sort of touched on it earlier, but how exciting must it be for a potential player to know that you can come and play for a Ryan Lowe team? And look how many assists George Cooper got last season. You know, he was one of our favourite players. When was the last time that someone played in a, a more defensive sort of position, even though, you know, they got that attacking side, was talked about so highly? You know, it's... It's a sort of an exciting opportunity to play. And Callum McFadden, who can forget his debut for Argyle, his competitive debut. You know, <laughs> If any player can come in and score two goals as a left wing back on his debut, he'll be doing a good job. So <laughs> I think Ryan Lowe, ever since he's come in, has proved that he can find players that are more than up for the job. I've said before on this podcast, and I remember saying under Derek Adams, until a manager gives you reason not to have faith in their ability to sign players, then you've got no choice but to have faith in it. And he's proved time and time again in fact, just thinking off the top of my head, I can't think of a signing that's not done particularly well for Argyle that he's made. I think, you know, he's, apart from maybe some players that got injured, but apart from that, you know, he's made some very good signings. I'm sure he'll find someone. And any player that's got a chance to play in League One football next season for a team that can play in such an attacking way is, is going to be an exciting prospect. And I'm sure he won't be short of players that want to come down here. But it's about finding the right one, isn't it? That's That's the key. And so far, he's proved to find the right one at times. You know, it's... And sometimes you have to be patient to get these players as well. 
Yeah. What about the lone players? You touched on George Cooper there. Um, it looks as though he isn't going to return to home park this season, but it seems that Ty Tyreek Backinson might come back for another lone spell. Yeah, it's going to, be, going to be interesting to watch developments on that. Um, Bakinson, you know, seems, seems likely, seems possible. Oh, we've, we've, we've lost Chris. Chris is frozen. It's <laughs> modern technology. Although, just while Chris is unfreezing, Bristol City have obviously got a new manager at the moment, or looking for a new manager. So I guess it's a bit up in the air. Chris might be well be saying that at the moment, but we don't know because he's still frozen. <laughs> but, you know... Ryan Lowe's history in the loan market has also been fantastic. It's not just been his permanent signings. You know, I, I can't, don't know if I can recall. Derek Allen's made some good signings, but he also made some ones that didn't work out. But most of Ryan Lowe's loan signings have been great. And he's got some very good contacts in the game. You know, whether you're talking about Liverpool, which he might use a bit more next season, yeah. we, don't, we don't know. Whether you're talking about Rangers with Steven Gerrard. He's got contacts in quite high places at, at good clubs. And I'm sure he, he, you know, he'll look to use that. It's, it's an exciting time. And I, and I think... Again, I know I keep saying it, but if, if, whether you're a youngster or you're someone that's in your mid-twenties that really wants... Okay, you might, have, you, know, you might have years left in the game, but potentially could be one of your last big moves. You know, why wouldn't you want to sign for this club? I, I honestly can't stress enough how much I think, not only the fan base, but how much the manager, the style of football, you know, the owner even, Simon Howe has been fantastic. And I'm sure when players are looking to make decisions, they look at who owns the club, especially with recent events at other clubs. You know, that's surely got to be an important part. Everything just seems to tick boxes to be an attractive proposition at the moment. I must you know, looking from the outside, Jack, at Argyle as a football club now, they do seem a different football club to Argyle of years gone by. You know, there certainly seems to be a real um, focus on being more of a family club. You know, all clubs say that they're a family club and this, that and the other. But I think Simon Hallett, since he's come on board and Ryan Lowe's come in, they certainly seem to really want to push that home. Well, and that's the thing, you know, you, you might argue that it's not always great for a fan to be in charge of a club, but somehow it definitely seems to be the anomaly to that rule. Um, you know, I think James Brent, when he was in charge, it was all about getting the club back on some sort of footing, wasn't it, after, after the administration and all, all that. So you can't blame him for that. But yes, yeah, since Simon Hallett's taken over, just everything, especially after the relegation that happened uh, just after Derek Adams left, it was such a negative atmosphere and that's all been transformed in such a short space of time. And as you say, Stu, you know, at every aspect, it's just a shame the pandemic's happened for everyone, but at every aspect, the club just seem in a much more stable position at the moment. And that's got to be an attractive, you know, an attractive thing. And also, I can't remember whether it was Ryan Lowe, it's one of the interviews that Chris, Chris will mention in a minute, who said it. I think it might be Ryan Lowe was, was saying about, it's, a, it's about getting the wives or the girlfriends or the partners, about getting them in the community as well. And Managers haven't always touched on that, but it is important, especially when you're this far down. So it looks like the people being looked after throughout the club, and that's great to see. And Chris is back. Chris is back. He is indeed. <laughs> my my Wi-Fi dropped out. I do apologise. <laughs> One of the drawbacks of working from home, isn't it? They had to listen to me rant on for about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing about players' wives and, and the sense of togetherness and, and what have you, it's so reminiscent of what Paul Sturrock used to say when his, his first time at Argyle, that 2001-2004 period where he went out of the way to make sure that the players were a family. So um, when you listen to Ryan Lowe sometimes, it does remind me a little bit of um, interviews we used to do with Paul Sturrock. Um, Chris, I ask you on that topic. Do, do, you, do you think managers just either get, get that holiday or they just don't get it? Do you, or or can, I, can they learn about that? I, 
I can I can think of managers in the past that they just didn't get it or they weren't bothered about it. I don't think it's something that every manager has. Some managers managers come at it from different perspectives. Um, so, you know, I think it's something that that Ryan Lowe is strong on. Uh, Paul Sturrock certainly was, and um, I think that's one thing when you. You know, if, if I was to give advice to an Argyle board of directors when they were looking for a manager, which I'm sure they'd never asked me, but if they did, I would, you know, use these as two good examples of when you are remote and far away from everywhere else, you have to create that proper team spirit. And we, we all talk about team spirit all the time, but sometimes it's genuine and sometimes it's just, you know, talking about it for the sake of it. But it strikes me that Ryan Lowe is very similar to Paul Sturrock before where the players would do things together. They would actually enjoy spending company time with each other rather than just being at a training ground and being work colleagues. And if you can then bring wives and families and people into a, a sort of wider group, um, it, it creates a togetherness. It might even engender, um, you know, some a, a loyalty as well that the, the, the players might stay for a little bit longer rather than, you know, coming from other parts of the country and then leaving after two years. So it's. Um, I was going to say for players, it must be it must be hard as well. If you if you're getting home from training or a match and your partner's there and just not happy, they're isolated, they want yeah. to go back. That's yeah. not only going to affect you in terms of your future thoughts, whether you want to stay at a club, but it's going to affect you on the pitch because yeah. you know yeah. you want the person that you love to be happy, especially when they've moved all that way for you. Absolutely, you, know, you, you need that, and I, I think it's fantastic that, that that you can get that, and just to. I know we spoke about Luke McCormick already, but it's interesting as well that Anthony Sarsic didn't he mention that Luke McCormick was the player that really integrated him and his partner, Kate, when yeah. they first came down. So bringing that back to the club again, I'm sure that it was never lacking under Ryan Lowe, but that would be a bonus as well. Yeah. So can I just mention George Cooper a minute? Yeah. Because I, I, I was either talking about him or just about to in terms of um, Tariq Bakinson looks like he, he's, he's a, a good possibility of coming back. Ryan Lowe was, was keen at his press conference last Thursday to say, look, I'm drawing a line under George Cooper. We, we haven't got the money. We can't do it. Um, I just wonder if we get um, a few weeks, a month or so down the line, and George Cooper's not playing at Peterborough, um, then Peterborough have got a decision, haven't they? Um, if they can't sell him because no one's got the money or is prepared to pay the money for him, then they might have to reconsider him on, on loan. And, do I think there's a possibility that uh, George Cooper could come down on some sort of season-long loan, long-term loan um, to Argyle again? I, I, I do. I think that I wouldn't rule that out at all. Uh, Ryan Lowe would love to have him back. Um, if Peterborough can't sell him uh, and they have to look at maybe loaning him out, then I'm sure he would be uh, on the phone to Barry Fry, Darren Ferguson, whoever, to try and work that out. So... While it looks at the moment as though Cooper might not come back, and he might not, I wouldn't rule it out. I certainly wouldn't rule it out. No. He could even, you never know, he could even become one of these players that might not come back next season, but then if he's free to go next summer, you yeah, sometimes maybe. get that, don't you? Yeah. It's, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we spoke about the left wing back there. Um, it looks as though the goalkeeping department is sorted, and probably the strikers as well. So... What areas of the squad do you think Ryan Lowe needs to improve before the start of the season? Well, me personally, I'd say everywhere, apart from the, two, the ones you just mentioned and the right wing back, because you've got Edwards and Byron Moore that can, can both play there. So I'd say central midfield, definitely, because you've lost Bacon, you've lost Sarsavik, you know, and Sarsavik 
big boots to fill, aren't they, next season? Although you've got you've got Randall who might get a chance at some point. Um, but so de- definitely central midfield. And you've got to look at the centre backs. Now they did well, they did well last year, but there's still something in the back of my head that thinks last time they were in League One, they conceded a lot of goals. And that's no disrespect to them. I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm being disrespectful, but that's got to be in Ryan Lowe's head, you'd think, as well. I'm not saying they all need to be replaced. I hope they get a chance. I hope they do well, and I hope they right the wrongs the last time they were in League One. But I would say it definitely needs strengthening, and pace, I think, is important at the back. I don't think I will have the paciest of defenders, although Will Ameson will be like a new signing, won't he? Yeah, Will Ameson is going to be like a new signing because we saw him so infrequently last season, and... Uh, from talking to uh, to John Lucas, the head of fitness and conditioning, the other day, he he said that you know Will Ameson's fit, he's looking sharp, you know he's uh, having no problems. So hopefully he can get a good strong pre-season under his belt, and uh, we might see uh, an inverted commas a new signing in Will Ameson. But yeah, Jack's absolutely right. I would think you'd you'd want at least one more centre back to go with Wooten, Canavan, Sawyer, and Ameson. At least one of those. So. Um, I'm sure uh, Ryan Lowe's working on that. There's always a possibility. You, 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 might even, you might even need two again, because you play three centre-backs, and because we've touched about how many games are going to be and the likelihood of injuries, especially when Will Ameson's just, only just come back and you've got Gary Sawyer, who's not the youngest anymore. You might even need two. Uh, so it's weird, like you said before, squads might be smaller, but it's almost like you need more players because of the likelihood of injuries and whatnot. Which is why you might need a left wing-back who can also play left side of centre, central defence. Um, so if you could find somebody that ticked both of those boxes, that would be particularly useful um, to have. You know, if you if we could play left wing back, but also left side of centre back if need be, um, you know, that would be useful. So um, if, if Ryan Lowe can find anyone that sort of fits into that uh, description, that'd be useful. But yeah, I, I think at least one centre back. Yeah, you're right, Jack. You know, a left wing back. Uh, holding midfield player, maybe if you're looking at playing Joe Edwards as a right wing back, um, potentially as a as a regular position, uh, you might need one there. And, and like you say, with uh, some sort of replacement, in if you can, for Anthony Sarsavik, doesn't need to be an identical player, but um, somebody to certainly fill that role. Whether Conor Grant could step up to that in League One, you know, he would um, he would merit an opportunity certainly. Um, so big season ahead for him. Uh, at this stage of his career he really needs to be playing regular first team football somewhere and um, I think he'll get an opportunity at Argyle he could slot in there alongside Danny Meyer and um, and play in that position so um, keep an eye on him don't forget Conor Grant but you'd still need you know a body in to replace Anthony Sarsavik that's for sure I've got to say, though, you know, thinking about it now, the defence, it does concern you a little bit because, you, you know, in League Two, it, we've spoken before about it. It's all about physicality a lot of the time, isn't it? But there are some fast, fast players in League One. Yes. And there's, so it'll be interesting to know, actually, how, how Rhino's trying to get them to adapt to be able to deal with that because being strong and physical isn't good enough in League One, I don't think. I think you need to have that pace. And at the moment, I've oh got definitely lacking that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I, I, I certainly think there's going to be plenty more signings before the season starts on September the 12th, that's for sure. Um, as you're saying, the season starts on September the 12th and there's still doubts over when fans can return to grounds. Um, despite that though, Chris, season ticket sales, as we speak right now, are up to the 4,200 mark, which is quite incredible, really. Yeah, that's, that represents 80% of last season's season ticket holders renewing. 
And um, if you're not up to speed on that, Argyle are only selling season, ticket, whole season tickets for next season to those who had them in 2019-20. And that's because we're, we're inevitably going to start the season behind closed doors and we don't really know for sure when fans will be allowed in. And when they are allowed in, it's going to be a restricted capacity. And um, I think Argyle don't want to sell more season tickets than the reduced capacity they might have to begin with. Um, you know, there's been talk about crowds being in from October the 1st, um, but that's subject to successful test events being held at other sporting events. Um, they were meant to be at the weekend, weren't they? Uh, Goodwood races, uh, snooker, uh, cricket, and, and they were postponed because of fears over a spike in COVID-19 and trying to keep a, um, uh, stop that from happening. So I don't know if that will impact the October, the first date that people were talking about. So we're just, we're just really in the dark, aren't we, about when fans might be allowed to come back to grounds. Um, hopefully it won't be too long into the season. Um, if it gets too long, and then it's going to cause major financial issues for football clubs. There's, there's no getting away from it. So hopefully they can get them back in sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, in the circumstances, you know, for our goal to sell 4,200 season tickets to season ticket holders without giving new applicants a chance to um, to get in on the act as well, I, I think it's um, really good and will definitely be a welcome boost of finance for Argyle at a time when uh, when they could certainly do with the money. Absolutely, one of those 4,200 is <laughs> you, Jack. Did you yeah. have Did you have any sort of qualms in in renewing? I mean, you know, there there is a, a big question mark over when you can get back in to see our goal play again? Um, no, I didn't, actually. Um, it's, it's a, it is a tough one, but I just feel like where possible, people need to try and support the football club. I, I know there's going to be times where we might, you know, we, we might not get back in. There could well be a second spike or a second wave, and, and God knows what will happen with that. But if you can, and I understand that people are going through their own financial issues. It's, it's tough for everyone. But, you know, they have the option, don't they, at Argyle, where you can pay monthly. And if you can cut something else out, like for me, if I could cut a takeaway out a month and, and do you know what I mean, and support the club, then that's that's what I, what I would try and do. Um, but, you know, I, it's, it's, it's a sad, sad that it's come at the time it has because, you know, Argyle just opened their grandstand. The football is some of the best football we've seen for years at Home Park. Um, I can't wait to get back there. I but it has to be done with safety in mind. You know, people's lives are more important. And that's the players and the staff as well. It's not just fans. Um, and what I would like to actually add um, is the the way that they sell the tickets online now has, has been fantastic. I know they've had some teething problems. You know, any club that has a surge of fans trying to buy season tickets that don't have the, the finances or the, or, or the staff at the disposal that Manchester United have are going to struggle. But the fact that they have this online way of doing it now, you know, I sorted my season to get out online, without having to speak to anyone without having to see anyone within a few minutes. And I know there are some people that can't do that, but what, what that allows is it means the phone lines won't be as jammed because other people can do it that way. So those that can't do it on the internet can phone up and not be in quite as big queues, you know, and you've got to give credit to the, the, the staff that work there that, you know, uh, it's probably not the easiest job to have at the moment, especially because people aren't able to come to the ticket office and do it, yet you're still getting some people that are turning up. And it's not easy, but the way they've done it, I think, has been, on the whole, fantastic. And it's, it was certainly an easy process for me. Yeah, absolutely. Right, well, that's all we have time for this week. Jack, Chris, thanks ever so much for joining me. And thanks, thanks Jack. Jack.
Thank you. <laughs> and thank <laughs> you out there for uh, joining us on the show. Be sure to join us again next time. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you. And if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account at Herald PAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening. Thank you.